Welcome to the Review Name Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. Tonight is a happy hour installment of our podcast. We're going to do an Oscar debrief, uh, talk about the awards, talk about our thoughts on them, talk about our feelings on them, all sorts of things. With me tonight, I have Chris. Yo. And Sam. Hello. So it's uh, we got the dream team for you tonight. Um, stick with us throughout the hour. We're going to talk about Oscars. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have some uh, happy hour fun. So stick around. Um, I guess why don't we start at the top? Uh, what did you guys think of the Oscars last night? Chris, I'll, I'll let you go first. Um, it was a weird show for me. Uh, I weird, I think, is the best word for it. I can put forth. I, I don't really know how I feel about it yet, and I guess that's the purpose of this podcast is to just kind of like work out a lot of those feelings. I didn't feel good about it. I can pin that down immediately. Um, but yeah, weird. I like I like the idea that the point of this podcast is to help you reach an emotional catharsis, and at the yeah. end of it, you'll be like crying. Like I understand now. This is this well, is not about the that, listeners. This is all about me. The Oscars. We should, we the should Oscars aim for The conclusions that we'll find. The soul searching I want to do tonight. Good. Yeah, we're gonna get real and personal on this podcast. All right. We might even get real personal. Probably not. No, we're probably just gonna talk about movies for a while. Yeah. Um, so you felt weird, and we're going to get more on that as we go throughout the evening. Sam, what about you? Um, like, probably just about every year with the Oscars, I was a little a little disappointed. I was disappointed with the hosting, and I was disappointed with who won what awards, but I can't, I can't say I'm surprised, because this happens every single year, and it will happen every year as long as there are Oscars. So Let me ask— I've got uh, to come to terms with that. I think I know the answer to this already, but let me ask for our listeners' benefit. Uh, those that listen to our New Year's podcast know that you made a promise to not get virulently angry during the Oscars this year. Did that? Did you keep that promise? Uh, no, I definitely. I definitely <laughs> uh, and actually, I really, di- I didn't get really angry until I think after the show ended, and that it was like when it was all over, it was just kind of like, well, that's it, that's that's what happened, and I, I just got really angry, and I was. I was angry for the people who didn't win, and I, I wanted Jack Nicholson to not be interrupted so rudely by Michelle Obama. <laughs> I, I wanted so many more things out of this show that, that frustrated me about. I was really more frustrated about like the Oscars, the, the awards themselves, rather than the show. Because you know, you either you either like Seth MacFarlane or you don't. You like his singing and dancing, and you like or or you don't, and you like his the type of jokes he goes after or you don't. And uh, I, for the most part, wasn't a huge fan of it, but to me, that's, that's not really that big of a deal. I think I would have, I would have, I would have been perfectly fine with Seth MacFarlane uh, had, had awards gone uh, the way I think they should have gone. But for the most part, they didn't. Certainly some people who deserve to win won. Uh, But I'd have to say that a lot of people who I was rooting for came up empty, though I can't say I'm surprised. Um, why don't I why don't I ask uh, what is your maybe biggest like win? What do you think was the best thing that happened last night? And what was your biggest disappointment? Uh, <clears throat> Chris, do you do you have opinions on this, or should I start with Sam? I start with Sam. Um, when you say when you say best moment, are you talking about like the show aspect, or are you talking about the awards? I was talking about the awards, but if you'd like to talk about the show, you can as well. Um, well, I think my favorite moment of the awards show, like the entertainment aspect of it, was uh, 
the uh, Goldfinger performance. Yes. Which was, which was really cool, actually, I think. And it was kind of, it was part of a half-assed, I think, uh, tribute to James Bond. I really thought they were going to get all of the Bonds together because they're all alive, right? And they, they are really, all alive. And they're as not like, as far as we know, speaking to each other. And it's not like huh, Pierce Brosnan is very busy. <laughs> I like the idea that they're not speaking to each other, Chris. Like, there's, like a, there's a Bond feud going on. Like, Lazenby owes Roger Moore twenty bucks, and they are yeah, not and, letting it down. But it's it's not like the it's not like the doctors where you know, a bunch of them are dead and some of them are, you know, David Tennant so, but, or Chris, Chris Eccleston would really be the hard one. But I mean, it wasn't really, I don't think it was really that situation. I really thought they were going to do it, but they didn't. And they gave us, they gave us uh, Goldfinger, which was a great, a great performance. I was a little disappointed with Adele's, not because of her, but because of the orchestration. Her, yeah. The, or, the orchestration, she was kind of drowned out. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of my least favorite moment of the. I think my least favorite part of the show itself was the the Jaws playoff music, which kind of felt like um, it, it was it was going for a cheap laugh at the expense of somebody's defining moment of their career, and especially since it, it was really they were quick to the the, the Jaws trigger for uh, categories that weren't acting or they weren't like the big headline ones and i feel like that was kind of really unfair it's like yeah yeah we know all the famous you know the directors and actors and best picture they're like the big awards and they're the most famous people but you know the oscars are a big deal to the sound mixing guys and the special effects guys too and that's this is going to be the highlight of their resume most likely and you know a guy they were the two guys who were talking about how their company was going bankrupt or something and they were they were trying to say something really uh important about you know their friends and the future their future lives being employed and then there is this stupid jaws joke which is really i mean the jaws thing was was for laughs because you know they do the playoff music you know which is just kind of muzak fluff classical that they normally play people out with but this was kind of you know for a laugh that jaws is coming and I thought it was kind of obnoxious. And it also, if there is any chance, you know, sometimes they're really great Oscar speeches and, you know, people on YouTube might revisit them or they might want to use them in clips, uh, you know, for whatever. And now having having the obnoxious Jaws music in the background, if they ever want to play those clips again, there's going to be the touching last moments of the speech will be cut off by the dunna dunna dunna. And not just people looking to uh, to use the clip, but like that guy, if he ever wants to watch the speech he gave. Yeah, he, if he ever wants to relive that moment, he's going to have to kind of relive that embarrassing, obnoxious, pushing him off the stage. <laughs> and, and for people, you know, for Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway uh, got way more time than than the the, the technical people. And I understand, I understand why they did that, but I feel like if you're going to let Anne Hathaway make her speech, fine. But you should also let, you know, <laughs> nameless sound guy make his speech. And they kind of treated them like subhuman or sub-people <laughs> compared to the actors and directors, which is not fair. They've been trying to get them into the technical awards for years. Yeah, well, maybe some like some airline or air uh, warehouse. What is the word I'm looking for? Um... Often some like you know dingy abandoned. Yeah. If, if the Oscars wants to kind of treat them 
crappy, then maybe they should just only have the Oscars. It'll make the show shorter. If they only have the Oscars telecast for, you know, writing, directing, and acting. And stop pretending that you care about these people because you're kind of treating them shittily. And let them be in the technical Oscars. Right, they already have the technical Oscars, which you still win an Oscar, and you get to give your speech, it's just not on television. Yeah. I mean, Um, at the same time, I think they should be able to get on television and be recognized. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not necessarily in favor of ghettoizing even the technical Oscars. What's but, frustrating uh, though is they say, "Well, we have to cut these people's speeches off because the show will run long." But I say the show is running long because you have five tributes to musicals of the aughts. I mean, do we need a tribute to Chicago, one of the most mediocre Best Picture winners of all time? Yeah, it wasn't like, even it wasn't even the best musical of the last ten years. You what, know and, what confused me about that is like they said like a tribute to musicals. I was like, oh cool, but it was only a tribute to like Oscar winning musicals from the last decade. Yeah, it was. Um, it was Chicago Dream and Dreamgirls. And, yeah, and that wasn't a celebration of the musical at all. If you're they gonna celebrate sell- the musical, you gotta get like you know singing in the rain. Do you, do you think it, stuff was cut for time because it, it did feel weirdly short in certain areas? Um, if they cut anything for time, I, it's hard for me to see what, because like it was so yeah. long and overly padded. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the show, I think went over a half hour. From yeah. I mean, I, not that of, the show itself of... seemed short to me. It's just like, it, it, it seemed like, like you guys said, it, it, odd choices of what musicals were celebrated and just like an odd number of them too. I mean, I can only remember two of them in addition to the performances of the, uh, original nominated songs. Um, so it just, it, it just seemed to me like maybe there was more stuff that might have been cut out, but also I don't know where it would have been cut out the show and how they wouldn't have anticipated how far it was going to run over. Yeah, I mean it. It always runs twenty minutes or half an yeah. hour over. Um, it just seemed like I, I agree. This with you. One it was, was like a very longer, odd though. choice of this what. This was a long show. This was oh, yeah. definitely longer than last year. Oh yeah, I, I think that's true. And look, I mean, it's I understand it's going to be long, and I will sit there as long as it takes. But I'm actually interested in the speeches. Yeah. yeah. And I'm interested, you know, people go like, well, it's it's for entertainment, so why do you think they're being played off? But I think I, I watch it as an award show, and I want to see, like, the people honored. And you know what? what? All I need from a host, like, the host, as far as I'm concerned, really, they can they do the opening monologue where they make fun of a bunch of people, and they can leave, really, at this point. Like, I think you it's great. What? Rarely you're going to get some, like, good people like Ricky Gervais or Tina and Amy, who were totally under underutilized at the uh, the Golden Globes, but I don't I don't need I don't need it to be a three and a half hour broadcast. You know, go if, ahead, Chris. Sorry. If you don't enjoy the speeches, like I, I mean, I'm with you, Sam. I actually like to see the speeches. I like hearing what people have to say, whether it is Anne Hathaway or the people who are. This might be the only Oscar they're ever going to win, and I think it's kind of cool to hear what they have to say and what that means to them. But if that's not your thing, if you're not interested in that, then you have about five minutes to kind of turn to your friends and discuss who just won and say, like, oh, I saw that movie. I like it. They deserve to win. Like, that's a little five-minute debrief period for those watching at home. That's not a show killer to me. That's a – if you don't like the speeches, it's a nice little break for you to interact with, you know, the other people taking up space on your couches. Right. I mean, if if that's a show killer, then you're watching the wrong show. Like, you're watching an award show. Yeah, Yeah, but, I mean, the Oscars, it's it's supposed to be – it's it's supposed to be an event like event television, so it ha- I, I mean they're in a tough spot. They, it has to be an award show and it has to be a piece of entertainment. 
because I think, you know, I think the Oscars got 40 million people watching or something around there uh, last night. So they're kind of, I mean, they're in a tough spot. It has, because if it's not entertaining, like if it's just, you know, presenter award, presenter award, they'll get killed for it. Mm -hmm. There is there. I mean, what I want, I don't think is what most people want. I think they want it to be kind of like a movie spectacular celebrating the year in movies yeah. And that's, I mean, I guess that's fine too. It's just, I, I, I don't like that they're doing that at the expense of these people who are being honored and who might not ever win an Oscar again. And their faces might not ever be on television again. And, you know, don't ruin their moment in the sun. Cause we need to have another, another number or we need to have another fucking Chicago tribute. Yeah. I could have, I mean, I'm all for celebrating the movies, <clears throat> But I could have done with this year's celebrating the movies thing being 50 years of James Bond and cutting all the musical stuff out. Well, if you're going to have the musical stuff there, at least make it music that's intrinsic to the genre. Music that is, like, as you said, Singing in the Rain. Um, American in Paris. Like, yeah, American in Paris. Like, do the things that are iconic Hollywood, not I mean, work uh, your way backwards from recent decade and those who we can still get on stage and kind of sing and look wear underwear to a degree that is pleasing to audiences as opposed to the original performers of some of the great I don't, songs. I don't mind so much that they're picking musicals that are more recent. It's just that they they pick two and then they're saying, well, this is our tribute to the musical. It's yeah. such a it's such a narrow focus. So, that, I mean, they don't need to do An American in Paris or Singing in the Rain, even though that's kind of what you think of when you think about musical. But maybe throw in something about, like, maybe have Once up there. Once won an Oscar and that was a musical that came out in the last 10 years. It was just, it was very, it was such a narrow focus of celebrating the musical. They could have just said celebrating dream girls in Chicago. I mean, were there any other musicals off the top of your head? I mean, could you, no. could you say like the Marvin Hamlish no. thing, like with Barbara Streisand, was that, cause that's from a musical, right? Yeah, but it, no, well, the way we were is not a musical. But is, wasn't that song sung from a musical? No, the song's movie? from The Way We Were. It's a Robert Redford, Barbara Streisand movie. Oh, right. And that's just part of the soundtrack. Yeah, it's like it's okay. the theme song of the movie. Okay. Uh, which, that's another thing. They could have done, like, theme songs from movies, like, a, a tribute. But the Barbara Streisand thing was, like, part of the In Memoriam. Well, they had more theme songs than they had uh, musicals. Well, or at least the same exact number. Well, it was, it, I mean, I guess if you're counting Les Mis, because they had... They had the two Bonds and they had The Way We Were. And that's three. That's true. Well, but Bond was like, that was one of the nominated songs. Yeah, well, I'm kind So, of, I mean, like, I guess they song. had, like, all soul the nominated song. songs they performed. Uh, like, Nora Jones performed hers from Ted as well. Oh, yeah. Was that the theme song, though? I don't Ted? know. If, yeah, I don't know if that's the theme <laughs> song. It was a song that was in Ted, apparently. To me, that sounds like something that was, you know, they, they put it over the credits and they're like, it was the song of the movie. <laughs> We couldn't get Randy Newman. We couldn't get Randy Newman exactly. The Adele win was adorable. See, that was like a great speech that um, it was it was also a very quick speech. I think after after people in the audience saw the Jaws thing, everyone up there was a little bit more anxious to get off the stage because they didn't want Jaws stepping on their speech. Which like was maybe the point, but I still think it was, it was a terrible it was definitely, thing to do. It, it was definitely the point, but it seems really dickish. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that was the low point of the show for me as well. Uh, Chris, high and low points of the show? Um, I'm going to preface this by saying that I really don't like Seth MacFarlane. Uh, his 
uh, as around the time that they started just licensing show after show for him and animation domination became the Seth MacFarlane variety hour. Uh, hours. I, <laughs> hours. Yeah. Um, it, he just started to grate on me more and more and more. So I think my personal low point, I mean, I definitely agree with you guys on the Jaws theme, but I mean, we've kind of talked that out. So I'm going to go with the, um, the opening monologue, actually. I was so bored and it went on for so long and I just, none of the jokes were working for me. Um, I was really just thinking about like taking the time to go make something to eat and just coming back and hoping that we moved into the show by the time I got back, because I just could not stand that opening number. Yeah, um, no, I, I've got to agree. It was, and it felt really bloated too, in a way that like, oh, yeah. I mean, Billy Crystal's stuff always goes on forever, but it's like, it's jumpier and, you know, he's like inserting himself in all the movies and it like cuts around a lot. That was just like a lot of Seth MacFarlane just like singing and doing dumb jokes for like yeah. a good like half hour or so. It felt, it felt very promotional of Seth MacFarlane and not of the year in movies or of the Academy itself. Like, it, it felt like, I mean, it, it was so McFarlane-esque. I mean, you had his, I mean, obviously, like, he has a huge affinity for Star Trek, and that was right there front and center. And, I mean, I like Shatner a lot, but, like, after a while, it's like, that bit got old for me. Because it went on for it did a, go on a good long time. very long time. Yeah, it, I, I thought it would have been kind of cool if, like, it, like, you had Shatner here, and then something else, and something else, and something else. Like, as you said, like, jumpier, faster paced, moving around a little bit, maybe get off the stage. Uh, as sometimes I, I think I remember that Billy Crystal and definitely um, C. Martin Alec Baldwin had um, pieces pre-recorded where they would just, you know, play like a piece of them, you know, running around and interacting with all the stars and whatnot. This was just, you were there with Seth for an uncomfortably long period of time. And for me, it just killed the entire momentum of the show right out of the get-go. So that was my low point. I mean, I, I, I find it hard for me to be angry at Seth MacFarlane for kind of doing exactly what his shtick is. I mean, he likes, I was waiting for him to start singing his, his Frank Sinatra E croony type thing that he likes to do. And, you know, he told his kind of jokes, which I thought were kind of tired and, you know, like actors should show their boobs sometime. There are lots of Jewish people in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I wouldn't say I'm angry, but I, but I just, I, I did not enjoy it at all. Like, no, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I was like offended or angry. I was just kind of bored. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like uh, in, in his defense, I guess, like none of us are fans of his. I yeah. am openly like, I don't think his comedy works for me. Um, and it didn't work for me last night. So like, that's not surprising because I didn't expect it to, but yeah, I mean, he, but also he kind of did his thing. I, I, I think you can't really get angry at the guy for, for doing what he does. You know? I can't get angry at him, but like it, I do think it was the worst telecast because he was the host. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think he was, in a sense, performing the duties of host as best that he could. In a sense that, it, not a lot of that opening act was about. Like, I, I tend to look at the opening number as sort of like a review of the year in film and sort of like a send-up of it. And it he did that a little bit, but more so it was just a showcase for the types of things we expect from Seth MacFarlane. And if that's like him doing stand-up, then fine, that's the place for that. Whereas here, I, I just found it to be a little more self-congratulatory than actually acting as a host. And I mean, I think you're right, because I feel like he didn't really stuff. even talk about the movies. Like, yeah, that was I mean, I think, definitely not the focus of his, of his opener anyway. No. 
Like, the focus, like, the, the guiding joke of the opener was, like, Seth MacFarlane as Oscar host. Like, he is a bad Oscar host, was the joke. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it was more about Seth MacFarlane. Like, I, I, thinking of the references made to movies in that opening, I mean, the You Showed Your Boobs song. But that's really a lot of what I can think of. I can't really think of a lot of other references, like, aside from one-liners that were made to the movies that were seen that year. But, like, you showed your boobs is also about people showing their boobs from lots of movies. I don't know yeah. if any of them were from this year. So. Well, I mean, I, I don't think. Look, I think for an Oscar host, I think your job is to be funny. And I don't really, I mean, I don't really care if you're you're timely about it or you're, like, how into the movies of the year you are. I mean, every Oscar host, you know, he goes like, okay, so who's here? Who's here? George Clooney's here. And they'll, he'll do his George Clooney joke or they'll do yeah. his, uh. Like, oh, Jennifer Lawrence, she was great in Silver Linings Playbook, right? And then they'll do their joke or whatever. And I mean, it's it. I don't. They need to be funny. That's that's my only joke. And I didn't think he was particularly funny, which, which is a problem. Um, yeah. But it's like, he doesn't he doesn't need to celebrate the movies. He just needs to be funny, and he just didn't do it for me. And I I'm guess, sure he. I guess I would have accepted either, but I needed one of the two. Okay. Like, I would have. If there he, had, one I if he had flatlined, but he had been talking about the movies more, I might have enjoyed it more. Yeah, I, I think I, I I will again say I'm coming from a point of bias. I definitely was not anticipating that I would like Seth MacFarlane going into this. And I think the fact that it seemed so much more focused on him than the proceedings, I might have forget. I, I may have gone along with that more if it had been another host. Because... Seth MacFarlane being Seth MacFarlane is not going to win any points with me. So, but yeah, I mean, there are people who enjoy that. So, we're just not going to see. I think that that's like where it comes from. I feel like this, you know, the Oscars have talked for the last several years about trying to get a younger audience, and with Seth MacFarlane with like Channing Tatum popping up all over the place, it was like it was clear they were going for like appeal to the younger crowd. And I think it and they worked. they did. I think the the like eighteen to thirty nine was up this year. Yeah, I like it was. Whatever they were doing, it worked, uh, which is unfortunate because that means they'll probably try to do something like that again. And I, I for one, thought telecast-wise, this is kind of a train wreck. Well, it kind of depends. Do you know what network gets the Oscars? Is it always ABC? I don't think so, right? Doesn't it switch around like the Super Bowl? I believe it does. So, you know, if it's NBC, I can see them doing uh, Fallon. I think Fallon's a type. If it's CBS, I can see NPH getting it finally. I mean, I don't, I don't I, like they're gonna they're gonna stick to their network guys. Um, didn't didn't Kimmel did Kimmel do the Oscars or did he do the Emmys? He did the Emmys. Okay. So yeah, I'm trying but to. But I think mean, of like Seth MacFarlane is a Fox guy, and he was on the ABC host at Oscars. That's true. So yeah, I guess anything can happen. <laughs> or maybe they just have Seth MacFarlane do it again. Like the Oscars are are not strangers. Just like that guy worked as a host, bring him back forty times. They have Stewie do it next year. Oh God. Was anyone else weirdly impressed by the Ted CGI of him getting him on the stage? I thought it looked good. Like I thought the bit wasn't funny, but for some reason it looked creepily good. It did look realistic. Yeah, you're right about that. It did look good. Um, the bit was not funny. No, <laughs> the bit. I think I don't think any of the bits like from the presenter were funny. The Avengers one was like embarrassing. 
A lot of them were embarrassing. The, the they one, were really bad. The, uh, the Paul Stewart, one. Um, oh, oh, my yeah, God. The, oh, man, oh, that was It was like I was beaten or something. I, that that was, was just one where it was like, it was so, like, misconceived to the point where, like, I did not know what the joke was. Like, they were and saying they, words, and I couldn't figure out what was supposed to be funny. And they're both really funny people. Yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, they are hilarious. And, like, usually, even if it's like, oh, this is a dumb presenter joke, like, whatever – Usually I get what they're doing. I had I had I was like, are they both having a stroke on the stage? Like they're just <laughs> saying words. So that was really weird. Um, I I thought Kristen Stewart was on pills or something. I mean I know she injured herself, I think, so I think she, she was may kind have of, actually been on. Yeah, pills, she was yeah. quite possibly actually on. Well, pills. because she you know but she like injured herself. Prescribed so. Pills. Um, so she was kind of loopy. Uh, what else was really terrible from the present? They were just not funny. It was just really rough. The yeah, entire show wrote not, this show. Were not, um, yeah, there were not a lot of laughs to be had last night. And granted, you know, I think it's really hard to do to do funny work with the presenters to write for them. I imagine it must be fucking a nightmare because oh, yeah. you probably you probably have to a like check with their people about what they can say on camera and then they have to they have to deliver it and then it has to be something that's funny all at the same time and i imagine that must be a nightmare to write for yeah i would i would never want to be an oscars writer like that job is is difficult if not impossible and you're gonna have people like us every year being like i hated it yeah <laughs> like whatever you, whatever you do it. someone's gonna like <laughs> shit on it like that's what you're yeah. that's that's the result of your hard work yeah, because I think I saw on Twitter someone was saying, kind of listing off a bunch of people who wrote for it, and I found I I just like knowing them from Twitter. They were like kind of they were a funny group, um, and I think that just that kind of always happens with the Oscars. I think they usually get a good batch of really funny people to write for it, but then people come on stage and they're just either they're just not funny, or the context doesn't work somehow, or they just the actors can't deliver it. It's just a weird situation. What I say just. Try not to even be funny in those. Like, unless you got someone who's just really, really, really good at that sort of thing. Um, just say, present the award. Say the stupid thing. I mean, I also hate the things where they're like, editing is the construction <laughs> worker of the film industry. Tonight, we honor those construction workers. Like, it's some, like, stupid thing like that, trying to describe what it is they do, but actually not describing it at all. Um they do that too, which is I think somehow even worse. Yeah. <laughs> the other the other one at least is trying to entertain us on some level. The one where it's just like sound mixing brings our ears inside the film. Just like <laughs> your shit like that. That just you think, you're not you're not explaining anything to us. Um Do you think they recycle those like year after year, but there's like no, a mad lib formula to it? Like you can just like the same, the metaphors remain, but you just take out what aspect of the filmmaking it is and kind of just switch it yeah. around a little bit. You know, they could do it every year. No one would remember because <laughs> it's so forgettable. Yeah. Well, because they're literally like they're saying nothing. Like they're saying yeah. the thing they're about to reward and like a vague thing about what it does sort of, but not really. Like like editors put, pull the story of film together yeah. into a beautiful tapestry that we can all enjoy. Like – Great. What does that mean? Like, it doesn't mean anything. One year, I actually, I want someone. I want instead of they should cut one dance number, and they should before sound mixing and sound editing, they should just have a guy sit down in a chair 
and give like a two minute explanation of what that fucking means. It's the levels, every, right, Sam? I I'm pretty sure it's loudest movie. <laughs> no, and it's true. Like we we know a, a fair deal about movies. And my guess as to the difference between sound mixing and sound editing is just that. Like, I can guess what it might mean based on the difference between the words, but I don't know for a fact. And it's also telling, like, what's a great, you know, no one's going, like, that is a slam dunk for sound right. mixing this year. You no, because I don't, I don't know how to judge that. Like, I know, like, sometimes I, mean, I can say, like, the sound design in a movie is, is fantastic, but I can't necessarily tell you which aspect of the sound team was responsible for it. It's just how the sound all comes together. So yeah, essentially yes, it's 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 more than levels. It it also has to do with um, what side, like if you have like a surround system set up, like it's where the sound is coming from. Um, just messing with frequency. So it's, I mean, it, it is something that they should explain to a wider audience. But they never it is will. essentially how the sound comes together. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I, I know some of you, like, when I saw Black Swan, I left that movie going, like, the sound design in that movie was incredible. Like, yeah. all of the all of the sound effects work went really, worked really well. Like, the score was, like, perfectly adapted to what they were trying to do in each scene. Like, I left, like, cognizant of how well that was done, but I couldn't, I couldn't really have explained to you, like, this is why it was fantastic. Yeah. All right, so we sort of, we talked about the telecast for a while, we haven't really talked about any of the awards yet, so why don't we shift gears and talk about sort of things we liked and things we didn't like uh, from the actual award recipients. Uh, Chris, why don't we start with you? Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I it was a mixed bag for me. There were things I really liked, but that generally those came out of the categories that were a little more stacked than other categories. I mean, I think there were a lot of great uh well-rounded categories this year in terms of a lot of nominees that all there was a really good case for all of them deserving an award um i think one of the best examples of that is the uh best supporting actors category i think we can all agree that that was probably one of the strongest categories in the i think it was the strongest oh absolutely yeah um so oh, i thought best actress was also really strong oh, oh yeah, yeah. That was really strong. I, I thought Best Supporting Actress was very strong. For the so best. was, I mean, all the acting categories. Best Actor was really solid as well. Yeah. I thought Best Director was too, honestly. And even, you know... They, I, I mean, I think, they were all good. Even I though the we, worst one won. I was going to say, even though, like... And Ang Lee, like, I love Ang Lee. I think he's a really good director. I just don't think Life of Pi was the showcase for him. Well, I, I, I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah. like, even Best Picture, where I know we... There's probably going to be some contention about what we were pulling for and what the actual results were, but like there wasn't a war horse this year. Like this was a fairly strong mix of best picture categories. So all around. So like, yeah, there were a few, I would call maybe, I don't know if I called them upsets, but things that I was not as happy about winning. I think right off the top of my head, uh, brave winning for animated future or, um, uh, what's another one example of this? Um, I, I mean, I, I like Jennifer Lawrence a lot, and again, that was she was in a very, very strong category, but I thought there were maybe some other people in there who, you know, maybe gave a better performance in Silver Lion's Playbook. I liked Silver Lion's Playbook a lot. I, I really enjoyed that movie. I, I felt very happy watching it. I felt very good coming out of the theater. I thought it was very solid, but her performance just, for me, just didn't stack up to Jessica Chastain, Zero Dark Thirty, 
or um, Kavanjay Wallace in Beast of the Southern Wild. I didn't see Emmanuel Rivera in Amor, so I can't comment on that, though I think you, Sam, were very much saying that that was who you were hoping for in that category. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, Emmanuel Riva was the best. I mean, if I feel like you can't watch Amor and then watch really any of the other movies, and then that's, that's including Quibbenjane Wallace and Beast of the Southern Wild, which I loved, again, which was my favorite movie of the year. And I don't think anyone could have said that they had to pull off a, an acting feat that Emmanuel Riva had to do. I, I just, I do not see it. It was, it was another, another level. I wish I'd seen it. Yeah, she, I mean, she's incredible. And I, 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 I think um, had, if I had my pick for Best Actress, I would have gone with Kavanjane Wallace. Um, but it's, it, I, really, it's neck and neck for me because what, what Emmanuel Riva did was just amazing. Um, and it was, it was just an incredible, incredible performance. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have ranked it uh, Riva, um, Wallace, then Lawrence, then... Um, Jessica Chastain, but the thing, the the reason why I put Jessica Chastain lower is I feel like her, she was maybe a victim of the character type she was playing. I feel like she was playing some, she was you know a CIA person, and she 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 had to play it kind of cold and kind of flat, and this is someone who couldn't, who wouldn't allow themselves to be rattled too easily, who had to be kind of collected. And maybe that's just, you know, it's just that type of role that's not going to win an Oscar because it's kind of colder. Um, but that's that's just the role. I don't think that's really a knock on her performance. I think she did a good job for that role. Yeah, and I, I, will, I will say that that's what I kind of liked about her performance, and that's what kind of uh, drew me to her was the fact that she had to portray this, like, very cold, very um, stark character, but also still kind of sell that character as our entry point into the film uh so i thought like i, I was very impressed by the work she did there but i mean having not seen a more i think my top choice would have been kavanjane wallace and just uh, for, me, like, what, for me like what i loved about chastain's performance um is like she <laughs> she had to play a decade you know and and the character really does evolve over the course of the movie from yeah i mean she's she's sure she's always like sort of cold and sort of detached but from the almost doe-eyed way that she enters into things when she's first in the in the black site seeing the the torture play out to the way that she uh finally like commands the scene when she is you know uh lecturing to the seal team and to the way that you see the the toll of all of those years in her at the end of the film like it there's a there's a real arc to that to that performance and i think the movie doesn't really underline it but it's there and it's incredible and she pulls it off yeah no it's very impressive um and not to knock Jennifer Lawrence's performance, because I, again, I started this by saying, like, I really loved Silver Lion's playbook. I loved the chemistry between her and Bradley Cooper, um, well, between the entire cast, quite honestly. And she really did a lot of great things with that character and handled some emotional outbursts and balanced that with a softer side, kind of like less into a very vulnerable, very distraught character. Um, but it just... It, it didn't, to me, it was not as impressive as some of the other very impressive performances we saw this year. I was surprised that she won, not because, like, Sam, as Sam said, you know, it was, I guess she was sort of the favorite to win, but I was surprised that she won, mostly because it's not the type of performance that the Oscars usually recognize. 
I mean, like, what she did was, like, a, a very good version of it, but she was basically playing, like, a rom-com type, and usually yeah. the Oscars stay away from rewarding comedic performances. So I'm almost happy that she won in that, like, she was funny, and, like, a lot of what she was doing was supposed to be funny, and there was emotional resonance to it as well. But she was, like, she won an Oscar for playing some comedic beats in a way that we don't see all that often. So, I mean, while she would have been my, of the five, she probably would have been my bottom three, uh, or at least, like, there were at least two better than her in my mind. Probably three better than her. Um, I still, like, there, it's not a bad thing Jennifer Lawrence won an Oscar because she did something really good. I really liked her performance. And she was in the type of movie that often gets overlooked by the Oscars. I wasn't looking at it from the comedy standpoint. I wasn't thinking about that. So, I I, I mean, I, I agree with you that I, I love Jennifer Lawrence. I loved her performance. So, and I think that's what... I'm happy about for a lot of the things that I wasn't expecting or maybe didn't go the way I was hoping they would go is that somebody was still, who was still very much deserving of it ended up winning an award that really uh, honored the great work they did. And, but looking at along with the idea that Oscar is maybe looking a little more favorably on comedy this year, I think, it sits a little bit there with me even more so now. So. Um, well, I mean, I think the thing about this year's Oscars is like oftentimes it pretty much every year, the people that win aren't the people that I would have picked. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's still true to some extent this year, but the nominee pool, when I saw like, when I saw the nominees, like it was much stronger than it usually is. And like my favorite movie of the year was the master. It did not get nominated for best picture, which considering there were only nine nominees is insane, but that's neither here nor there. If you look at like the whole pool, of, like, each of the acting categories was very strong. The directing category was very strong. Both of the screenplay categories were very strong. The picture category was very strong. Like, like you said, there was no War Horse. So, so I mean, there was, in some sense, even though the people that I that I wanted to win didn't always win, like, the nominees were so strong that I was very rarely, like, livid. Yeah. I think that, I think that can go for pretty much everything. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I'm trying to think... I, Maybe that maybe the most the thing I'm most angry about was uh, was Best Picture. So I guess maybe we can shift and talk about that for a minute. Okay, right, that let's, one. Let's yeah. parse no words here. We're moving to the big guns. Best Picture. I I, I <laughs> will say the one right, guys? I was most upset about was uh, Best uh, Director. But yeah, let's let's focus on. Best well, well we, let's let's shift Picture up for a minute then and talk about Director because okay. I guess I guess Picture is a better finale. I think Director is the one I'm most upset about too. Honestly, I think I agree with Chris. Well, let's talk about director then. Well, I, I think could I just say I think Ang Lee won because everyone thought he should have won for Brokeback Mountain and didn't, and now the Oscar is trying to make up for it. I mean, that's almost because that is their I mo. Know. That is my, I think I think I talked about this last podcast. Yeah, and in the uh, random pop culture question of the week over on the website, yes. I think it is Oscar's mo to cover their ass or at least Oscar voters, because they know they get killed for picking someone else. And so the next time someone's up there, they go, oh, yeah, that person was nominated for this. And everyone thought, oh, they should have won. Maybe I should vote for them now. Maybe they did deserve it. And then, you know, Michael Hanukkah, Ben Zeitlin, Steven Spielberg, and David O. Russell, who I think all deserved it more than Ang Lee, get shut out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I agree. I think they all deserved it more than Ang Lee. <clears throat> I, 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 I definitely do. I, I would have been happier with any of those four 
over Ang Lee. To me, Ang Lee, at least for this offering, was the the standout weak link of the bunch. I mean, I Life of Pi was good. It wasn't great. It was a I, an interesting but kind of flawed story, and I don't think it really was. In, in a sense, it was ambitious because you know you, it, it's sort of like the castaway phenomenon where you just like it have one you're focused in one small location on one actor's performance for the entire movie. So yeah, that there's a challenge, but I didn't really find it to be that compelling of a performance or that arduous of a uh, emotional journey that we went on that film. Like it was, yeah, it was very interesting and it was um, beautiful. It was a beautiful film, gorgeous, hands down one of the most gorgeous films of the year. But in terms of story, in terms of how it was executed, I didn't think it was, particularly innovative or as deep or as challenging or exciting as some of the as of the other films in the category and i don't think it it um showcased the a director's strengths as much as some of the other films did i mean i'll go further than you i i think life of pi was fine i i wasn't particularly impressed by anything about it but how pretty it was. And I mean, is that a reflection on Ang Lee? Yes. No. Is it more of a reflection on the cinematographer? Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Life of Pi won for all those technical things, and I think that's fine. Right. Like, yeah. I, a lot of the technical awards that it won, I was like, fair enough. It did a very good job at that. But, but I mean, look at look at it from this sense. Is Life, like, there are no acting nominees for Life of Pi. And aside from the visuals, this is a film that is very built around the performance of this kid out in this boat, just acting against a CG tiger. And those, like those parts of the movie, were not nearly as impressive as just the shots of him at night, just kind of floating around in the water. Like that was the highlight of the movie for me. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right. Is like a lot of a lot of the most impressive stuff was was more cinematography than, than directing, although obviously the two are intertwined. Yes, they, they, they most definitely are. But I, I think there were other movies that had both, that, that had, there were a more full package where the director was not honored the way I might work with. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think all four of the directors uh, who were nominated did better work than Ang Lee yeah. uh, on their movies. I mean, Spielberg is, is someone who like, Oftentimes, I'm, I, I think he's a bit overrated in terms of how actually skilled he is as a director. But he did some really good stuff on Lincoln. It was a very interesting movie. And, like, he did it very well. Yeah. Beast of the Southern Wild. Was it was this Ben Zeitlin's? Yeah. It was his it first was his, movie. It was his and first feature movie. I mean, he had, I think he's done shorts. And yeah. He's done but it was, his first, it was his first feature length. Yeah. That was an incredibly strong feature debut. And, I mean, you can make the argument that he could have another shot at it at some point. But I he just burst on the stage with this incredibly powerful performance. Uh, and, and I mean, that, Beast of Southern Wild is a movie that I think is well-directed on virtually every dimension I look for when I'm looking at directing. Like, I, oh, yeah, I, don't, see, I don't see any directorial mistakes in that movie. Um, and David O. Russell, I thought, got a phenomenal performance out of a very ta- an already very talented cast, but really brought them together and made some... <laughs> performances that could have been over the top really, really work and congeal very, very well. So, I, I mean, I again, like, Ang Lee's Life of Pi was the least impressive directorial offering of this slate of movies. I just, 
it, it just didn't do much for me. And I, 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 I think I agree with Sam. I think it was a, it, it was honoring post work rather than what we saw this year. Oh, and I, think, I completely agree. I think someone on Twitter was just trying to defend Lee, and he was basically saying that it was, it's kind of an unfilmable book, and that the the fact that it takes place that it's just, you know, it's this one guy and a tiger. Yeah. But I'd argue that I think Michael Hanukkah's task was much, much, much more difficult in that it was two people and one person is basically silent and bedridden most of the movie. And like, I mean, virtually all of uh, that movie takes it. In fact, all of it, I think, takes place in the apartment, right? Is there, it's all in the apartment. Yeah. I think there's not a single scene that's not in the apartment. Yeah. So yeah. it also has the same space restraints. And it doesn't have the the uh, advantage of of being in beautiful scenery. And also, I think it's a much it it doesn't deal in as uh, broad strokes as really any of the other movies. I mean, this is they like he, Michael Haneke had to get this right because if it seemed disingenuous at all, it wouldn't have hit home emotionally. Yeah, you, it's a, it's a movie that very easily could have been very flat and even boring. You know, if it if it like if he had not landed it on an, on the emotional spectrum, which is not an easy area on the emotional spectrum to land, I think. It would have been just, like, two people sitting in an apartment, and it's sad, but, like, it's, you know... And Hanukkah especially is someone who's who's made films often about, like, detachment and, like, where we're supposed to, like, view them from a remove. And that he, like, was so connected to the characters and the spectrum in Amor was, I thought, incredibly impressive. I think I think Hanukkah deserved to win. I would I have picked I would have picked Hanukkah or uh, Ben Zetlin. Um, yeah, I mean I think Ben would have been my second choice. I think it's funny that all of these cat you know Beasts of the Southern Wild was my favorite movie, but I think I have it like coming in second for every single category <laughs> that it was in. And I think that's kind of a it's kind of like it, he's like a baseball player. Like Beast of the Southern Wild, this is the only thing that comes into my head at the moment. But he's a baseball player, and he's he's my favorite baseball player because he does everything really, really well, even if he doesn't do any. Like he's not the best home run hitter or the sure. best, you know, the best defender. Well, the whole but he does everything parts, really, right? really well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of Beast of the Southern Wild for me. Like they had amazing performances and they had amazing directing and an amazing score. And which an, is not... an amazing. <laughs> And an amazing score and a great script. I mean, it was just a, like all the pieces were there, but maybe yep. not the individual pieces were the best of the year. But I still think that's fine. It still wins my favorite movie of the year, which is the most important award in my brain. So. <laughs> and it was cleanly within my top five. Yeah. So let's talk about what everybody's thinking. Makeup and hairstyling. Blame is <laughs> really not the Hobbit. Did you see the hair and makeup in that movie? <laughs> Did you see the dwarves? Each of those dwarves had different hair. <laughs> Did you guys not see the fat suit that Anthony Hopkins wore for Hitchcock? <laughs> I liked um, someone on Twitter was saying, like, Hitchcock should win best makeup uh, because it was very clear how much makeup everyone in that movie was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there was definitely makeup on the screen. <laughs> we should also mention that we completely forgot that Naomi Watts was nominated for Best Actress. I didn't for forget. I just didn't think it was worth mentioning. I forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot because I didn't. That was the one of the category that I didn't see. I didn't see the impossible. Naomi Watts was nominated. Well, I didn't see the impossible, and I don't really feel the need to because it like from its premise pisses me off. A, it's a movie about the the tsunami 
um, about a white family, like as opposed to about the, the millions of people whose lives were completely ruined. And B, the family it's based on was not even white. So like, it has enough problems going in with me that I, and like I also didn't hear anything all that incredible about it. I'm okay sticking away from the impossible. That was, I, you know, I try to see every movie in all the uh, in all the big categories if I can. Um, the Impossible and Flight were the only two that I hadn't seen. Um, I've seen Flight. Oh man. Categories. The uh, the the scene. By the way, they spoiled like a ton of stuff. Like the scene they did in Beast of the Southern Wild was like the end of the movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They and also the scene the scene from Flight was like the end of the movie. That was where he like admits that he's an alcoholic. And the his I'm drunk right now is a popular line in my apartment where we say <laughs> I'm drunk right now. It's uh <laughs> we had we had we had some problems with flight. Um oh, I thought you were about to say alcohol. <laughs> we have we have some alcohol problems. This uh this happy podcast <laughs> is going in a weird direction. Um I wish I had a beer right now. It's sad I you wish don't I, have a beer right now. I don't have a beer. I don't have any beer in the apartment. I have a and I eat. somehow I wish I was flying a plane too. <laughs> um yeah sock one puppet, I just didn't get around to. the sock puppet uh uh reenactment of flight was scarily accurate <laughs> <laughs> which might not speak particularly well of flight i think it was it was one that like i had i if i had access to a car in michigan i would have seen it but uh i didn't and i didn't get around to it the impossible i feel no guilt about not having seen and I will probably never see it, and I will not feel bad about it. I'm sure Naomi Watts is good in it. She's a good actress, but I don't care. Caring is half the battle. There are so many. There are near infinite movies I have not seen, and that is not one that will go on my to-do list. Um, other categories we want to talk about before we move on to the best picture. Um, this is kind of backtracking for a minute, but I would have really liked to see Kavanjane Wallace give a speech. That would have made me very happy. Oh, me too. Though I think, I think, um, Jennifer Lawrence's fall on the stairs was quite charming. Yeah. Because that was too much dress. Jordan's been saying it all night. (laughs) No, all the girls that I was watching the Oscars with were saying it all night, and then they were proved correct. (laughs) But yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, Jennifer Lawrence, and if anyone gets a chance, go on YouTube and find the video of Jack Nicholson quasi hitting on Jennifer Lawrence uh, in a in a post show interview when she's talking with uh, George Stephanopoulos. They probably had sex afterwards. Did you have you guys seen this video? No. It's the greatest thing of all time. Jack Nicholson kind of like pops in the middle of her interview, like there you know it's kind of like the press area after the show ends. And she's interviewing George Stephanopoulos and Jack just kind of walks over and peeks his head in and basically says, oh, you know, you were really great and I like you a lot. And I think he says, you look like one of my old girlfriends to her. And then she says, oh, why don't I look, can I look like one of your new girlfriends? And then Jack says, I trust me, I thought about it, <laughs> which is the most amazing thing in my life. If you haven't seen this video, do yourself a favor, go see it. it I think it, it combines how great Jennifer Lawrence is and how great Jack is. Everyone will be happy. And trust me, if Jack if Jack Nicholson was ten years younger, he would he would really be hitting on her. If Jack Nicholson was ten years younger, he would be having sex with her right now. (laughs) That being said, I can't guarantee he's not having sex with her right now. I love Jack. I wish. By the way, Jack Nicholson on stage, like the two minutes he had was 
better than everything else in the show. For that me. is accurate. He was he was really funny in his two seconds. All he has to do is go up on stage and smile. <laughs> it's the, the thing but about I mean, this, they almost they almost always let him do something. So well, he I think he's he's missed a couple Oscars actually. Um, I remember like a last few years. I don't know if it was last year, but I remember there were a few years where he wasn't there, and I was heartbroken because cutting to him in the front row is always kind of a Oscar tradition, which I love. Um, but nobody remembers anything that Meryl Streep did. Remember she, she like, she, she announced like the, uh, the nominees and then like they cut to her and she's just like Daniel Day-Lewis because <laughs> it was like the yeah. least. I just liked that it. it was like, it looked like she hadn't even opened the envelope because we all knew where that was going. In my mind, I like to imagine that she didn't open the envelope. And Joaquin, and Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> she pulled a coup in the As much as I thought Daily Lewis was amazing, I'm not at all upset that he won, but I think Joaquin Phoenix was the better performance. I kind of, I feel bad that because Daniel Day-Lewis, I think, is Daniel Day-Lewis, nobody even, like, I couldn't really remember who had been nominated other than him until the actual show. And I think that was a really good category. I think Bradley Cooper was great, and I think Joaquin Phoenix was really great also. Here's the thing is, like, I hate, like, I really don't like Bradley Cooper or Joaquin Phoenix in, like, most of their careers, and I thought they were both very, very good. I thought Joaquin Phoenix was incredible. Like, it was a it was a performance that made me, like, have to rethink how much I don't re- usually like what he's doing as an actor. Also, I really like, if, if you find this GIF online, you should check it out of Joaquin Phoenix. After they read his name for the nominees, he shook his head like he was just really fucking pissed off to be there. He he was. Like, he's open in his contempt of the Oscars, which is why, like, we knew he wasn't going to win. That I mean, he wasn't going to win because Daniel like Day-Lewis. Uh, the thing is, like, Daniel Day-Lewis won this award before anybody even went in to see the movie. Yeah. So I'm curious what his next role will be. <laughs> so do you, think, uh, do you think Jack is like, crap, now I have to win a third Best Actor? Jack Nicholson? Yes. Uh, I would like it if Jack Nicholson and Daniel Lewis had, like, an open, friendly rivalry. <laughs> you know what, though? At the end of the day, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis could win five more Best Actor awards, and he'll never be as cool as Jack Nicholson. And Jack has, you know... Jack won for, what, Cuckoo's Nest, Good As It Gets, and... I think he won for Terms of Endearment, I think. Because I remember that's like the wild card one. I haven't seen Terms of Endearment. Yeah, he won Supporting Actor for Terms of Endearment. He won for Cuckoo's Nest and um, As Good As It Gets. Because I think when it's all said and done, Jack Nicholson will be more remembered than Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't know. I will I will always take... I, if you're going to make me sit in a movie theater and watch one person for two hours... I will pick Jack Nicholson over Daniel Day-Lewis every day of the week. I know. Your love for Jack is well-documented and completely valid. I got, I got to tell people, go see About Schmidt. It's so good. It's He is amazing. He de- he deserved Best Actor for About Schmidt. He did. I think he, was, he was nominated, but he didn't win. He did not win. If he won, we'd be having a different conversation right now. We would. An entirely different conversation about him winning. (laughs) No, if he won last night, we'd be having a really different conversation. (laughs) But if he won, Daniel Lewis would just have tied Jack Nicholson last night. Yeah. 
and he would have less, you know, fewer Oscars than Jack Nicholson. Who beat him? Uh, about Schmidt was 2000. Was it Adrian Brody? It was 2002. Yes, Adrian Brody won. Yeah, for The Pianist. A movie I had to actually like force myself to watch. Interestingly enough, that was also the year Daniel Day-Lewis was nominated for Gangs of New York and did not win. Wow. So that, that year, either one of them could have be- become the, uh, the first person to win three Best Actors, and neither did. I mean, Jack has three Oscars, so that's pretty good. Yeah, he's doing all right. <laughs> and... Jack's gotten around, <laughs> shall we say. We shall. Jack Jack is the best. He is my Meryl Streep. <laughs> All right, moving on. Meryl Streep. Well, you know how people are about Meryl Streep. I do. Pooping their pants. She's pretty good. I poop my pants about Jack, so. Great, great. Why don't we, yes, let's talk about Best Picture so we can wrap this this uh, thing up. Really not talking about pooping pants? No, we. I, I think we've talked enough about pooping pants. I'm just looking through the old list true? of Best Actor nominees. Remember when Will Smith was nominated for Muhammad Ali? Yes. Or for Ali? I never saw that. Neither did I. I feel like it probably wasn't that great considering it is, like, the other, the other movies nominated. Training Day, A Beautiful Mind, I Am Sam, In the Bedroom. Like maybe not in the bedroom, but those uh, those other three, like people like know those in their consciousness, but nobody talks about Ali. Yeah. Nobody. Just saying that. I'm just looking at a big list of Oscar nominees, and I think it's interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. Also interesting, Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman were both nominated for Best Actor in the year Philip Seymour Hoffman won. That is interesting. And they were both nominated this year for the same movie. They were. <laughs> I just like finding these little things. Okay, well. Sharing them with the world. I think it's interesting, you dicks. <laughs> Sam's basically just reading Wikipedia on the podcast at this point. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm literally reading Wikipedia. <laughs> it turns out Queen Elizabeth I. <laughs> Sam's Wikipedia corner, a new, a new feature in the podcast. Since 2000, Jordan, what year podcast. do you think? Since 2000, what year do you think had the strongest actors? Because that's the the page I'm looking at. The strongest actors? Yeah, the strongest, like, best actor category. I mean, off the top of my head, because I can't remember every nominee um, from every year. Um, 2007, I know, because Tommy Lee Jones is up for actor. What is the point of you? (laughs) Wow, (laughs) that's the meanest Doctor Who reference you could have brought up. I fucking love that line. It's a great line. Um, 2007 had Tommy Lee Jones and Daniel Day-Lewis, which were both incredible performances and two of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. So that was a pretty good year. Um, what year do you think, Sam? Because you're looking at the actual nominees. Oof. I'm hard-pressed to find a year that's, like, top-to-bottom, like, great performances. I feel like it's probably easier to find ones with movies, or... I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, you asked the question, so you better have an answer. Well, you're you're like the more the more uh, Oscar historian than I am. That's so true. I thought, but if I, I thought maybe I thought maybe you'd have a preference. All right, I'm gonna look this up, and I will have a preference because now it's a thing on the podcast. <laughs> like you've now you've made it a thing, so now I have to have a, a preference. Um, I'm gonna look past 2000. Oh, we're all time will take me way too long. You can just quickly scroll through. All right, I will do I will do what I can. 
Um, I'm in the process. I'm vamping for time here. We don't need a vamp for time. Take a drink. Take a drink. Take a drink. Take Believe a drink. me, I'm taking plenty of drinks. Um, no, not that one. <laughs> I want to know which one is not that one. <laughs> I have to say not that. This is going to be our best episode ever, guys. <laughs> you have wait, to remember wait, that people can't see us. Wait right? a minute. Tommy Lee Jones was nominated for In the Valley of Elah, not for No Country, and I forgot that. I feel like I remember Apparently. that. Didn't Josh Brolin get nominated for it? Um, supporting actor, I believe he did. Okay. But Tommy Lee Jones was nominated that year, but not for No Country, which is ridiculous. So 2007 is definitely out, although it is a pretty strong year. It was Daniel Day-Lewis, George Clooney for Michael Clayton, Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd, and Viggo Mortensen, like... None of them were in, like, performances that were their best performances, I don't think. Uh, but they were, like, their actors I like. I'm having a tough time seeing, like, a top-to-bottom good list of, like, really... I think um, 2005 was a pretty strong year. Hoffman for Capote, Terrence Howard for Russell and Flo, um, Heath Ledger for Brokeback, Joaquin for Walk the Line, and Good Night and Good Luck, David Strathairn. I didn't see uh, Walk the Line. It looked really uninteresting to it's me. It's not that probably. good, but... Um, and honestly, like, again, like, I don't like Walking Phoenix all that much, and I don't think he was great in it, but he does have a pretty damn good Johnny Cash impression. Um, which is what Jamie Foxx won for, really. His Johnny Cash impression. Johnny Cash impression? Yeah. Damn it. Maybe 1979 has Dustin Hoffman, Jack Lemmon, Al Pacino, Roy Scheider for all that jazz, Peter Sellers for beating there, Dustin Hoffman won for Kramer versus Kramer, Jack Lemmon... The China Syndrome, which I haven't seen, and Al Pacino and Justice for All, which I haven't seen. But the three that are there were really good. That's a yeah, that's a really strong year. I mean, I'm still in two thousands looking for something to I'm I'm scrolling all over this month. Knock my socks off. Um Michael Caine for the Quiet America. And there's usually one that I'm like, really? Oh, here we go. Nineteen seventy six. I now I don't know uh, Giancarlo Giannini. But you have uh, Peter Finch and William Holden were nominated for Network. Oh, Robert Jesus. De Niro, Robert De Niro for Taxi Driver and Sylvester Stallone for Rocky. I think Who's that's a pretty. Who's he nominated for? Uh, Seven Beauties. Oh, I haven't seen that. I don't know that movie. Um, damn, that is a strong year. Although, like half of that is strong because Network is like so good. I'm trying to think. Like Jack Nicholson when he won for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I don't really – I mean, Dog Day Afternoon, uh, Al Pacino was great. If forced uh, to pick a, a best year of the last 10 years for best actor, I would say 2005. Um, that's what I would say. Oh, man. 1999 was a, was a pretty good year. Although well, listen to this. Fingers. 1974, Art Carney won for Harry and Tonto. But listen to who Art Carney beat. He beat Albert Finney, Dustin Hoffman, Jack Nicholson, and Al Pacino in Godfather 2. Wow. And Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. That's that's an upset right there. But maybe it wasn't an upset. Like, that's the fucking Oscars for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we can keep looking through this and talking about best actors that we like. Um... But we're not going to because this podcast is is becoming you and me scrolling around on the Wikipedia page. For I love actor. this. We're gonna figure this shit out. You and me. The best actor, the year for the best year for best actor ever. 
Yes. All right, that is a challenge that we will return to at some point on the podcast. I don't think we will. All right, fine. We're never going to talk about it again. But you and I can talk about it in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she. So you're saying two, 2005 did uh, jump out at me. That's but a year I where I, like, I think all five of them were – like I wouldn't say there's a ringer. I think Joaquin is the, is the weak link in that, in that group. But I don't think any of them are ringers, where, which is like you look at um, 2002 – Michael Caine for The Quiet American, which I mentioned a minute ago. Like, that's a ringer. Like, he was really good in that movie, but not at the level of anyone else who's nominated. Um, so I would say that was that's a year full of, like, only strong performances. Um, I thought this year was pretty good. I haven't seen Les Miserables. Denzel was fine. He was pretty good in flight. I mean, it was kind of, like, preachy and stupid at the end. But Bradley Cooper and Joaquin were both great. And Daniel Day-Lewis was really great, so... Hugh Jackman was was fantastic as well, so... Really? Okay. So, I mean, this was a pretty good year. I mean, the thing is, like, the problem, the problem with Les Mis is not the acting. The problem with Les Mis is the directing. Like, if Tom Hooper had been nominated, I would, would be ranting think. about that. That could be... That's a whole different rant about, like, how... Like, literally, the directing in Les Mis keeps me from connecting emotionally with a story that emotionally devastates me in any other form. Like the novel, the stage show, like whatever you do, that is like, it's like um, emotionally crippling how, how sad it is. And the movie I loved was like, wow, like it did not connect with me. And it's because it was so poorly directed. Like he just does not know how to communicate emotions on the screen. Unless it's like medium shots of Colin Firth's lisping. Stuttering, rather. Yeah, get uh, your speech impediments right. And I, I really like the King's Speech. I like the King's Speech as well. I wouldn't say it was a phenomenally well-directed movie, but I liked it as well. Um, yeah. Okay, why don't we move on to talk about Best Picture, finally? Uh, what were your thoughts on Best Picture? Uh, Chris, why don't we start with you? Uh, in terms of the nominees or in terms of what won? Both. Um, I saw seven of the nine that were nominated. The two I didn't see were Les Mis and Amour. Um, I was more upset about not seeing Amour than I was about Les Mis. Um, I mean, I, I like Les Mis a lot as a stage play. Uh, for, for whatever reason, I just never really got that excited about seeing the film. And then the reviews started coming out and that kind of confirmed it for me. Um, but yeah, I was pretty happy with the group that was nominated. There wasn't really anything that jumps to the top of my mind as uh, like a huge snub. Uh, I, I didn't see the the Masters, so I can't really agree or disagree with you on that, Jordan. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a very strong grouping. I thought it was an interesting grouping in that um, you had kind of a range of things that were out there. I mean, a lot of them were pretty depressing, but at the same time, there were, you know, some feel-good sentiments in there. Silver Lines Playbook kind of ended on an up note. Um, Argo did as well. Uh, I'm going to say that I don't think I'm actually as upset about the outcome of this category as I'm going to guess the two of you were. Um, I actually quite enjoyed Argo. Um, I don't think it, I, I won't say it had, that had quite the same depth that other entries in the category did, specifically Zero Dark, Beasts, and um, I mean, even even at times, silver linings. But um, having not seen it more, I can't really gauge it against that. But I, I really liked Argo a lot. I thought it was very um, tightly executed, well acted, um, and very good at actually 
mining drama out of a story that if you have any sort of familiarity with historical events, you know the outcome. I thought it was still pretty good about actually conveying tension in, in the story where you know how it's going to end. Uh, so I, you know, Argo wasn't the most unconventional choice for winner, but I, I can't say I'm too upset about it, to be honest with you. I liked Argo a lot, and it, for me it was a, a great film, maybe not the greatest of the category, but not upsetting to me. Fair enough, Sam. Um, I wasn't particularly surprised with Argo winning, just in, you know because it was very uh, it was the safe choice. It was it was kind of something that I think everyone would everyone could really like. You know, it's not it's not going to ruffle anybody's feathers, and it's a very likable movie, and I definitely liked it. Um, I think Ben Affleck did a really good job, and I was kind of surprised he didn't get nominated, considering his movie won Best Picture, he didn't even get a nomination yeah. Yeah. for Best Director, which is kind of Oscar logic. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, this is the one, this is the one where I say, I think Beast of the Southern Wild should have won. Um, I think the master kind of got completely shut out for some reason, even though I think it definitely deserved a lot more love in the Oscars. Um, the writing seemed to be on the wall that Argo was kind of the hot hand going into going into the show. Um, and, you know, I did not ex- I did not expect a more or Beast of the Southern Wild or Django to win. I really thought it would be down to Lincoln and Argo, but mostly because they're really safe. There are historical historical dramas. I mean, they're very different historical dramas, but yeah, they both are. And they're both very pro rah rah America. I think what pushed Argo over the edge was that it it had the. How movies can be great and save lives angle to it. I mean, remember the, I think the opening and closing images of Argo were the star Wars figurines. This is like, this is like the power of movies and that with movies, we were able to get this thing done. And I think that's kind of like Oscar logic again. Like I love, I love movies so much, but I don't think like movies are, Movies didn't save people's lives in 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 Argo. You know, people, <laughs> people saved people's lives in Argo. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think it's kind of the thing that I uh, Oscar voters could hang their hat on. And it was a good movie. I really liked Argo. It had it was it was kind of a great caper esque movie. It was kind of it was thrilling. It was funny. It was it was well directed. Again, and certain elements. I, I would just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think certain elements of it were genuinely great. Like I, I will go back to tirelessly go back to the opening uh, 10 minutes of that film when they're um, when the crowd is getting in through the gates as probably my favorite part of the film. And yeah, that was really well a, done. A really strong moment in movies for this year and a standout moment for movies of this year. Yeah. But you know what? For some reason, Argo, like I, I can't really get angry at Argo. It's just it, it like it wasn't terrible. If if Life of Pi won, I think I would have been kind of angry. Um, yeah, I would have been too. Um, but you know, meh. It's like the Oscars does. It's like you know we're gonna give Best Picture to the artist because it's about movies and everybody that goes to see it will like it. And that's true of the artists. Like you know, because if you pick a more or you or you pick Django Unchained 
or even you know even Zero Dark Thirty and Beasts of the Southern Wild to some degree. They're not like slam dunks, make you feel good movies that people will like. I think Argo and Lincoln are kind of movies that every pretty much everyone who sees it, the worst they can say was like mediocre. And no one will be offended by it. And I think that's what Oscar likes, and Oscar picked Argo. Yeah. And My thing is, the- like, I didn't expect any of the movies that I liked the best to win. I expected it would be Lincoln or Argo. And from that, I was like, well, Lincoln is by far the better movie to me. Like, I think Argo was good. I quite liked it. I agree with you guys that the opening segment was awesome. I think a lot of things in it were very well done. But it wasn't in my top, like, 15 movies of the year, I I wouldn't say. Well, maybe my top 15, but it probably would have been 15 if it was there. Whereas Lincoln, Lincoln was my number 10 movie of the year. Like, it did make my top 10 list. I thought it was a better movie. And, you know, like, as much as I understand the Oscars are going to go with safe, they weren't going to pick Zero Dark Thirty. They weren't going to pick the master, obviously, which didn't even bother to nominate. And they weren't going to pick what's like, I mean, they weren't going to pick Holy Motors because no one saw it, though. Like, it would have been yeah. a good pick uh, because it was all about the love of movies. But um, if they're going to pick safe, I'd still like them to pick the best safe movie. And they didn't. Well, I mean, ultimately, we'd like them to pick just the best, best movie, but they're not going to do that. Right. But like, even if I'm going to like, I'm willing to admit they're going to pick the safest movie. Or, like, you know, the best safe movie, in theory. So I'd like that to be the case, as opposed to just, like, a safe movie. Well, you know, Argo was about movies, and Lincoln was not. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, are we really at the point where if you make a movie about movies, you win a Best Picture Oscar? Yes. We we, we might be approaching it. I I think it has to be kind of, like, a certain level. I mean, I'm I'm kind of joking, but, you know, look look at the artist. The artist was it was it was good. It had it was obviously about movies and it kind of had the silent film angle that they were able to pull off. And it was an incredibly and, safe choice. And it was an incredibly safe choice. And you know what? I like the artist. So I'm not like furious about the artist winning best picture. Was it the best movie that year? No. And was Argo the best movie this year? No. In fact, I think Argo might be I saw eight of the best eight of the nine best picture nominees and I think I probably would put it at Seven of eight, I think I only liked Life of Pi less. Yeah, I saw all nine and I would put it I would put it at a seven of nine because I liked both Lemiz and Life of Pi less. There you go. So yeah, maybe I don't know where Lemiz would be for me, but But like it, it's it was the- it was like near bottom of the pile. Though again, like just looking at last year, like War Horse and Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close and even The Help or like Movies that I didn't really like that much. Yeah. Well, let me just say again, this was a really good year for, I think, mainstream movies. I agree. It was just a really good year for movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at like the big like um, Oscar-y movies, only only Amour and Beasts are kind of indie fare. Everything else was, of the nine best pictures, everything else was like nationwide. I, I, I could make you. I don't think Silver Linings was everywhere. I think, I think it was. I think Silver Linings was absolutely a mainstream, wide release movie. No doubt in my mind. I, I, I thought you were going to say that. Life of Pi. No, I Silver no. Linings I guarantee you there were theaters that carried Life of Pi that didn't carry Silver Linings. I disagree with you. Fight with fight Bradley, fight. You're going to tell me that Ang Lee's movie with some no-name Indian actor was in more more movie theaters than the movie with Robert De Niro, Bradley Cooper, 
Jennifer Lawrence, who was in Hunger Games, directed by the guy who directed The Fighter, which was also a wide release. Not a chance. I'm telling you there are some shitty small town theaters that I'm not talking I'm not talking about shitty small town movie theaters. I mean they can show they might have one screen and only show one movie. All right, I, I'm, ta- I'm talking I'm gonna about I'm going to see if I can solve this dis- debate while you continue having it. I'm All just right. saying S- Silver Linings Playbook was not an independent movie. It was not an independent movie, but I don't that's think what, it was. that's what I'm saying. It, it was right. a studio movie. It was a studio movie. I don't think it quite enjoyed a wide release as some of the others there. I this is an argument of qualifications. I, I'm not trying <laughs> to argue this in any movie. I just don't think it was Quite as prolific as some of the others there. Um, Life of Pi opened to wide release. Silver Linings opened, uh, eventually it became a wide release, but it opened and limited and then opened wider and then opened wider and then opened wider. Okay. Um, it went, yeah, it went nationwide like roughly a month after it came out. So both they were both nationwide. Um, That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, okay, well, that's, I mean, really, you're both right. There you go. All right. Okay. Um, so, Great, yeah. I can I, still be friends with Chris. I would say, <laughs> I would say Argo was, uh, was near the bottom of the pile. But, I mean, like you said, um, I think it was you, Sam. It might have been you, Chris. One of you said, like, it's hard to get angry at this movie winning. Yeah. Like, there were better movies. Other things should have won. But... It's like it was it was good enough, I guess, that I'm not like it's not like if last year if extremely loud and probably closed one where I would have like punched something through a wall. <laughs> War horse. Yeah. War the horse. horse. <laughs> I didn't see War Horse. Don't need to. No. He wins the war. I mean, I actually I saw the stage show in London with the puppets, and the puppets what's or what made them the show really cool. Yeah, the movie doesn't have puppets. Well, if the movie had the horse puppets, then it would be fucking awesome. <laughs> but Oh well, that's what you get for not having puppets. All right. Well, why don't we wrap this up? Any last thoughts? Uh Fuck the Oscars. Who would you guys like to see host next year? Out of limitless possibilities? Limitless possibilities. Dead or alive? Yeah. Chris Trice. George Washington. Uh, I'm trying to think seriously. Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, I think I think MPH is, is the obvious choice. He's like the consummate host. He's always good at it. He's like future like Billy Crystal type. He's going to be just the guy that if you need a host and he's going to do like a good job. I mean, right now, I mean, right now, obviously, Neil Patrick Harris is better at it than Billy Crystal just because he's more <laughs> in touch, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he's gonna be like he's gonna be the host guy for forever until he's, he's just an old man. Yeah, he's really good at it. I'm I'm wishing he'll be the next. Yeah, I agree. And the kids like him because he's on that Himium show. More more popular than ever, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, are we missing How I Met Your Mother tonight for this podcast? No, no I watched podcast, it. The podcast was recorded roughly an hour and a half after How I Met Your Mother aired. Was Don't it, was show there, them how the sausage is made. Was there a new one tonight? Yeah. Was how, how bad was it, Chris? It was pretty bad. It was. <laughs> I want. I want to watch. See, like, here's the thing. Like, I like do not like that show anymore. But I am excited <laughs> to watch every week. <laughs> I um, uh, I have abandoned my attempts to stop watching because 
Inevitably, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Inevitably, I... every week, either Sam or Chris or Sarah or someone in my life is like, no, you got to watch this week. So, like, it was pretty good. Or, like, it was so terrible. I Actually, never say that. I never I... say it was pretty good. <laughs> That's true. All right. I know this. Like, I know we just talked an hour and a half about the Oscars. But can I just say for two seconds that last week's ending pissed me off <laughs> so much. Sam, I don't even remember it. I honestly do not remember it. This happened to me less than a week ago. Can I remind you of how horrible it was? Please. Lily is crying. She is distraught about how her life as a kindergarten teacher has just amounted to nothing. And like a good husband, Marshall is saying, like, it's okay. The best is yet to come for you. And that's all really sweet and well and good because she's offended that the captain said, like, you're just a kindergarten teacher. Your opinion doesn't matter. And then, like, right after Marshall, like, pats her on the back and consoles her, she, like, gets the call from the captain. And the captain's like, you were right about that painting. You are now my art consultant. Your shitty job as a – your shit crap life as a kindergarten teacher is over. Fuck that job. Fuck being a teacher, right, guys? Yeah. Your life is now – you're now an art consultant. And, like, great. Now it's another fantasy job on a sitcom. Congrats. It's, I was just I was just so happy because the show hadn't done a Lily episode in like literally six years. Like the last time Lily had an episode was before she was married to Marshall. Yeah. And it, it was it like offend it it offended me. And was it a good episode? No. But was it better than uh no. It wasn't better than anything. But it was at least a Lily episode. I thought it was just like she's like I wanted to be an artist. And then she gets a phone call and he's like, you want to be an art consultant? It's like the cheapest, least earned thing. It's like if Leslie Nope was talking about how she really wanted to get this park built. And then someone called her up and said, Hey, we're going to build the park. <laughs> that, that is, that is, like, that is literally the same payoff. There is zero emotional resonance there. Yeah, but also, Why should like, I feel good about my this? feelings when I'm watching Hit Me are pretty deadened at this point. <laughs> so it's not like a much emotional payoff is getting through to me. It's not so much a show anymore, is it? It's self-harm. That but you've you know all, what? like, you've refused to let me get out of this, this, like, like, suicide pact we're all in watching <laughs> the show. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, there's we a gotta, chance it will kill all wrap of this us podcast when we got to wrap this up, and then once this podcast is over, we're going to talk about how I met your mother, okay? Because it feels so wrong <laughs> to talk about, like, like Amour was the best movie or Beats of the Sun was the best movie. But did you guys see How I Met Your Mother last week? It just feels like – it feels like we're at the <laughs> finest – it feels like we're at a fine restaurant, and then we're, like, whipping out Nathan's hot dogs <laughs> and then pouring a shitty storyline about Lily over them. It's funny that after talking about how many problems we have with the Oscars for roughly an hour and a half – you're comparing well, well, because because it is it is an event. I mean, whether I like it or not, is it, it is event television. I mean, I'm watching it every year after all, even oh, yeah. though I even though I hate it. So it's kind of like how I met your mother. <laughs> uh, on that note, why don't we wrap up? Uh, thank you all for listening to our slightly longer than planned um, awesome happy hour podcast. We should just recall this the uh, how I met your mother podcast because I'm pretty sure I've talked about it every single week. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll continue to. 
I am going to. You get sick joy out of laughing at how much this show hurts me every week. (laughs) I I like that aspect. I like talking about what is bad about it, what it should be doing. You guys guys want to just, guys, I've got a free hour. We just scrap the entire Oscar show. We start now talking about how much your mother. We've done, you know how many How I Met Your Mother podcasts we've done already? Like, we've talked about this show on the podcast. Chris, I have to go watch this week's episode so I know what to bitch about for next week's podcast. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening. As always, you can... Uh, if you were able to listen to this whole podcast, you are a saint. Yeah. Or dead on the floor. and you. Yeah, yeah, because our, our listeners also watch How I Met Your Mother, and they died from anger at it. Um... <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, you can always check out our website, reviewname.com. You can follow us on Twitter at reviewnamed. You can email us at reviewnamed at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back next week with more of the Review Name podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye.